Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 1 through 6, called He Who Began a Work in You. The Philippian church starts with three portraits of transformation. Every church is filled with portraits of transformation. All you got to do is look around right now. And every one of us have a story about hearing the gospel, being touched by the power of God. If you're a Christian, experiencing being born again of the Holy Spirit, probably for most of you, entering into a time of baptism, maybe soon after you got saved, maybe it was a few years or a few months, and coming out of that water and experiencing the beauty of that picture of being one and being in Christ and having a family who bore witness to that baptism and then growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, finding out what your spiritual gifts are, learning to serve the king, learning what it means to live for God and live for others. What a beautiful thing the Lord does in our lives. And so Paul now writing back to the church about 10 years after the Acts uh, record in Acts chapter 16. So 10 years, a decade's gone by, and Paul writes a letter in the early 60s AD to the church, and he says these words, Paul and Timothy. Now, Timothy is not a co-author of the letter, but he spent a lot of time with Paul, and he was a fellow servant with Paul. And Paul is the author, as we'll see clearly throughout the book, but Paul and Timothy with him, you could say, bond servants of Christ Jesus address this church. So Timothy is one that Paul is hoping to send to the Philippians. If you just flip over to chapter two again, take a look, verse 19, and perhaps this is why Timothy is introduced. He was also part of that missionary team in the book of Acts, but he says, 2.19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. 2.20. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Remember the whole center of this book is have the, have the interest of others in the mind of Christ. Timothy had that. But you know of his proven worth, 2.22, that he served me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I know how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. Back to Philippians chapter 1. So Paul may be setting the table a little bit for Timothy's arrival. I don't know for sure. But you have the author... You have his uh, protege, young Pastor Timothy, if you will. They're bondservants. They're the doulos of Christ Jesus. They identify themselves as servants of Christ Jesus, bondservants, voluntary slaves, if you will. That's what Paul was. That's what Timothy was. Now, if you study the New Testament, oftentimes Paul will open a letter with Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he'll, he'll often add a servant of the Lord, using that idea of the douloi or the doulos, the voluntary bond slave. 
But here he doesn't mention his apostleship. He doesn't say Paul an apostle. Why is that? Well, it may well be because Paul had no reason to defend his apostleship in the Philippian church. Uh, places where he wrote Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ is First and Second Corinthians, where his apostleship is being challenged. In the book of Galatians, where there's doctrinal heresy that he has to correct. But here, his relationship with the Philippian church seems to be different. And so he doesn't have to note that he's the apostle or bring out his authority because they're already under his authority. And that's a beautiful thing to not have to uh, play that card, as it were. This seems to be a church that loved him, supported him. And so he just mentions that he's a bondservant. He and Timothy are bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. The author, the recipient, to all the saints, verse 1, in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. So the saints are the church. Hagios is the Greek word if you're interested. H-A-G-I-O-S. A saint is one who has been set apart, sanctified unto God, called out of the world, called into Jesus Christ. The word saint can mean sacred or set apart. The reason that you are a saint tonight, a saint in the city of Corona, is because of the call of Jesus Christ in your life and that you are in him and thus set apart for him and unto him. What makes you a saint is not the performance of your Christian walk. It's rather the relationship that you have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And some of us grew up in the Roman Catholic Church and we kind of got this idea that being a saint is, you know, you had to do a couple of special things and the church then had to maybe, you know, approve you or vote on you as a saint. And I, and I get that understanding and I come from that background, Italian Catholic, etc. but that's just not what the Bible teaches. What makes you a saint is whether or not you're in Christ. And if you want Javern McGee's uh, wisdom from past days, you're either a saint or you're an ain't. So you can chew on that one. I was at a Bible study some years ago. We were at the Honey's restaurant. And a wonderful uh, old Italian gentleman was with us. And he had a Roman Catholic background. And we were going through a letter like this. And I said, do you realize that all of you who are in Christ are saints? And it was an early study. And some guys had caked on dried drool on the side of their mouth. It was like a 6 a.m. Bible study. It was, wasn't pretty. But anyway, he was, I could see that he was digesting the truth that had been shared. And he said, I don't know about this whole saint thing. In fact, I look at you guys, ain't none of you saints. <laughs> now, he was coming from his, his Catholic background. But the truth is, here's what the Bible says. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're a saint. Amen? Whether six months in the Lord or 60 years in the Lord, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a saint. I was talking to a football fan uh, last couple of weeks, and we were talking about football teams, and somehow it came up that he was a saint fan. And I said I was a Steeler fan. And uh, there was, uh, there's often confrontations with John the Beloved here. You guys know little John the Beloved? I shouldn't call him little, but anyway, he's, he's a shorter guy, but he's such a fun guy. And he said, I don't know how you can like a team like the Steelers, Pastor Michael, that it's a team that's breaking commandments. I mean, how can you? He goes, my team, the Saints, 
It's, it's a biblical team. Your, your team, they're a bunch of thieves and robbers. And of course, the stealers are for steal the material, not stealers, thieves. So you got to get, get that right. But anyway, never mind. But I will agree that saints are probably a more biblical team. So there you go. So to all, to all the saints, key phrase, in Christ Jesus. That's what makes you a saint. If you're in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, notice, including the overseers and deacons. Now, we don't see this. I don't know if we see this in any other letter of the New Testament, an address to overseers and deacons. Now, the word for overseer there is episkopos. That's where we get the idea of episcopalian. But episkopos is a term used for a Christian leader or overseer. And as you do a little study on elders, pastors, etc., and this word sometimes is translated into English as bishop, um, there are those who would argue that a pastor, which is the Greek word poimen, the word elder, which is the Greek word presbyteros, or where we get Presbyterian. And then this idea of an overseer, sometimes translated as a bishop, which is episkopos, are all the same office with different expressions. In other words, they would say that an elder slash pastor in a modern church or in the church as it unfolded has the role of a shepherd. That's what the word pastor means, poimen. It just means a feeder of the flock. You have an elder, which speaks of maturity and can speak of an older man, but it, it, it probably primarily speaks of one older in the faith. More, It speaks of just maturity in the things of God. So you have pa- pastor, elder, and then episkopos is the idea of overseeing the flock. That would be for protection and care and uh you know, watching out for them as a watchman would watch from the watchtower, etc. Combining the three ideas, many theologians that we would all respect would say that all three concepts are found within the role of an elder or a pastor, so that there's not really a distinction between that. And so if you want to walk that out a little bit further, you begin to look at something called the pastoral letters, First and Second Timothy and Titus, namely. And when you look at those letters, you see requirements for elders and pastors. For example, they're to be the husband of one wife. They're to be able to teach. And then the rest of the description in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 have to do with the conduct or the reputation of that individual. So how would we say one would be qualified to be an elder or pastor of a church? Well, there would be a spiritual maturity to them. They would have a desire to oversee the flock, not by lording it over them, but to be an example and to protect the flock. And they would be a feeder of God's people or a shepherd. Jesus said to Peter before he went back uh, ultimately into heaven, he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And so the role of an overseer is to protect the flock, care for the flock, feed the flock, and lead the flock. Amen? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Well, there would be a spiritual maturity to them. They would have a desire to oversee the flock, not by lording it over them, but to be an example and to protect the flock. And they would be a feeder of God's people or a shepherd. Jesus said to Peter, before he went back uh, ultimately into heaven, he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And so the role of an overseer is to protect the flock, care for the flock, uh, feed the flock, and lead the flock. Amen? Amen? Okay. So that's the role of the overseer. And then notice the second address is to deacons. Diakonos is the Greek word. It means a servant or attendant. It's mentioned in Acts chapter 6 and many other places like 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. And the word for a deacon, diakonos, is uh, most probably another office. So if you read commentaries on Philippians, you you would see some people say Paul is addressing maybe just kind of two different sets of servants in the church. But why spend the time to lay out uh, and use episkopos and diakonos if you're just addressing the saints overall anyway? It just seems to be like meaningless repetition unless he's addressing two specific offices. Why would he address elders and deacons in the opening of the Philippian letter? Well, it may well be because part of what's going on in the Philippian congregation is a need for some healing. For example, one thing that's going on, and we find this in chapter four, is that there's a fight going on between two women in the congregation, Euodia and Suntuke. And these two women had served Paul in the gospel ministry, and they weren't getting along, and it was causing some rippling out in the Philippian church, and we'll get there in chapter four. And Paul basically says, I want you to tell these women to live in harmony in the Lord. Uh, here's, a, here's another thing to be thinking about. 
This is at the end of chapter one. This church is going through some persecution, apparently. Look at verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner, chapter one, verse 27, worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but salvation for you and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. My point is simply this, that maybe Paul is pointing this out to the overseers and deacons because they're going to have to walk the church through a time of persecution. They themselves need encouragement, but they themselves also need to be challenged to model for the church what they need to do. Now, I will tell you right now, the world, in terms of the West, is at a place that I have never seen in my time on this planet, where outright persecution is coming to the church in Canada and in the United States. And the last couple years have brought that out, where churches to our north, if, if you haven't been here for this, and maybe you don't know about this, churches to our north, like in the Santa Clara area, being fined by cities because they just wanted to be open during COVID, and fines going up to $1.5 million, and court cases flying back and forth. And some of this is still reverberating in the Christian community right here in our state, let alone the stories that we've heard in Canada, where pastors have been literally arrested and put in prison. And so James Coates is a name that some of you have heard, studied at the Master's Seminary, planted a church in Canada, just wanted to keep his church open during COVID, and finally was thrown in prison. And he spent, as I recollect, something like 40 plus days in prison. If James Coates would have wrote a letter to his church, and I know he wrote a letter to some folks, uh, and perhaps it was his church, or he, he wrote a couple different letters, I think. It, was, it wouldn't be divine scripture, but you can kind of see the parallel. He'd be writing to encourage the church to hang in there uh, through whatever they may face. And those kinds of unique experiences, which we've only read about in our Bibles and studied together over the years, are now kind of thudding at our doorstep. And it does bring a different level of challenge to us as believers here in the West. Because most of what we've heard about persecution, we've heard through the wire. We've heard through missionaries or you know, maybe you went on a short-term mission, missions trip and you, you got a little taste or you heard from the locals that this is what happens if you're a Christian in this area or this region. But it's becoming more and more closer to home and more and more concerns about nefarious kinds of things that are occurring uh, in different places and, it, and in high uh, levels. And so you can see how this would be really important that elders and deacons would stand together and would model uh, what the church should be doing. I will tell you that each Saturday for the last several years, 
uh, and, and more recently with our deacons, our elders and deacons meet right after our men's breakfast and we pray together. And uh, oftentimes there's, you know, 20 guys in the room. And uh, we just are here to encourage one another that we need to continue to fight the good fight uh, on behalf of Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where the Lord has put us in positions to care for the flock and model the faith, etc. And that's a really beautiful thing. And this is actually a scripture I've shared with them before in Philippians 1.1, that we are called to be elders and overseers and deacons and servants of the body. And that, that's a call that we don't take lightly. You've been listening to He Who Began a Work in You, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 1 through 6. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you grew up in a system where you were convinced that you just had to try hard enough. Maybe you're in that system right now. Maybe that system tells you if you just do this, this, and this, maybe it's five things, it's 10 things, 15, 20, whatever it may be. And it gives the impression that you just have to be good enough to get to heaven or to be called, as we see here in this text, a saint. Maybe you would say to yourself, there's no way I could ever achieve that on your own. You're right. But through Christ and the righteousness of Christ being sanctified, set apart, clothed in the garments of his righteousness, uh, seen by the merits of his perfect life and sacrificial death and triumphant resurrection. Now we're getting the idea. Now we're seeing that it is through Christ that we are acceptable. It is through Christ that the Lord sees us. And we are indeed set apart, holy and blameless before him. Take a look when you get a chance at Colossians 1, right around verses 19 through 22, and celebrate who you are in Jesus. You are a saint, not because you perform perfectly, but because Christ, the perfect one, has clothed you in his righteousness. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We're walking now through a new book, the book of Philippians. Only four chapters, unlike the book of Isaiah that we did 66 chapters, but four power-packed chapters. And they're going to deal with a lot of different things in our lives, including a right understanding about who we are in Christ, his work in our lives, where we're headed, and even we'll get into chapter four about how to deal with anxiety and how to deal with uh, contentment and being content. But maybe you're listening right now and you are a person who the Roe v. Wade decision recently has brought up a lot of emotion and feelings for you. Maybe you've experienced an abortion. Maybe you're, you have an unplanned pregnancy right now and you're wondering what to do and what to think. You know, we did a far five part, um, series, a mini-sode on the Roe v. Wade leak decision, which I think will help you. We did it with truth and grace and compassion. And I'm going to take a moment to pray for all of us and pray for our country. But I do want to let you know, if you're a regular listener to Walk in Truth or you're brand new to us, there is a phone number that you can call during the week 
Tuesday through Friday, Pacific time, nine to four o'clock. And we have pastors here willing to talk with you, hear you out, pray with you. The number is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Let's pray right now. Father, we want to pray over our country. There's so much division and confusion and even misinformation. But in the end, Lord, we want to live lives that please you. And we know that that's not always easy, but it's right. Would you help that person who's maybe going through uh, a pregnancy right now and they don't know what to do? They feel alone. I pray that they will reach out to someone who will love them and walk with them in Christ. That's what the church is all about. Forgive us for the times that we've fallen short as the church father, but we also want to celebrate all the good people, all the committed saints that have fought the good fight uh, to see Roe v. Wade overturned. We pray over our individual states that there would be sanity, that we would look to you for the answers, that you would indeed heal our land as we repent of our sin and trust in you. So again, the number is 844-48-TRUTH. If you need help, uh, you need prayer, reach out to us. You can also send prayer requests at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us to do our free apologetic events too please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Philippians 1, 1 through 6, called He Who Began a Work in You. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.